Our Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that you've given to us. We've had showers this morning of water, but now we ask in a special way for showers of your blessing through the Holy Spirit and whatever else you want to give us. May people hear the things that they need to hear for where they are and who they are, where they're at. We ask this in thy name. Amen. So we're going to be talking a little bit about worships here today. At the heart of every Christian is a relationship with who? Why, were, why are people called Christians? Why did they get that name? What? They were Christ-like. They're followers of Christ. They were talking about Him all the time. And people noticed that. So, that's they were talking because this was a friend of theirs and that they had a relationship. A relationship is usually expressed in some form of praise, often with a group of people who think this about Jesus in the same way. Um, we often call it worship because it centers around a person's need to be alive and dynamic. And here we have a cartoon for the recording. Yeah, we've got this sort of almost hippie-ish looking guy in front of a whole bunch of electronic stuff. And it says, as we worship the Lord this morning, remember the subtitles are available on the screen for the hearing impaired and the earplugs are available for those who don't wish to be. Hopefully that's not the situation in your church. I like this. Worship gets you through the hardest times in your life because it shifts your focus from the problem to the problem solver. Anybody ever have, for at least a brief time, get overwhelmed with a problem? I know I have been. And I, I remember one time I was very upset with a situation at work uh, where I was working because of something that had happened there. And then that Sabbath afternoon, I, I went to the funeral of a gentleman that lived down the road from me, from where I grew up. And all of a sudden, you know, I started thinking less about the problems at work and more about the problem solver. And, and But that's... That's one of the things we want to talk about in worship is what are we going to be, why are we doing some of this? Let's talk a little about attitudes. Before we've been talking a little bit about facts and skills and, and things that we do physically with people to help them learn how to build kites or, or identify trees or whatever it is that, that we're doing. But along the line, hopefully they're going to pick up some attitudes because that makes a big difference in how well they're going to absorb, are they likely to absorb it. I sat, at, I, I met somebody at lunch today that reminded me of someone just looking at them and their mannerisms reminded me, I said to myself, they have to be related to insert name. They've got to be. 
And, and so we, as we get talking, yep, come to find out this is younger sister. And she idolized older brother and she wanted to copy everything that he did. And guess what? That, that just became a part of who she is. Um, yes, there, yes, there is a significant facial resemblance, but before I picked up on that, I noticed the mannerisms first. It took me a couple minutes to read. Who, now, who is this? Uh -huh. She had an attitude toward her brother. Hopefully, our kids will see an attitude that we have toward our Savior. Welcome. So how do we develop positive attitudes? It, you know, there's the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, and hopefully you're not drowning them. Um, you can't be forced to learn something if you don't want to. But if you don't, you, they might learn some stuff, but if they don't have the right attitudes, it's probably not going to stick. Here the cartoon uh, is talking about a children's service, and mom says to the daughter, Pay close attention. You can't rewind. In, in Sabbath school and church and life, we can't rewind. Vocational choices are largely dependent on attitudes. Application of ideas in large measure depends on positive attitudes. So, this last year, anybody here not from Michigan other than Julie? And you're from here. You, you, you just not... You don't get to live here currently. You don't get to live here currently. But everybody else is from Michigan. So our theme for the, from this last year, Adventurers and Pathfinders, was half full, which means be optimistic. What else? Be positive. Keep a song in my heart. And what was the adventurer side? Pardon? Be cheerful. Be cheerful. Okay? Uh, this is what we're talking about here. Um, in the primary department, I, I'm privileged that I get to play a guitar for, for primary song service back home. And in the primary songbook is, is a song that should be in any kid's uh, songbook, Give Me Oil in My Lamp. But in, in addition to make me a fisher of men, they have a couple other verses. One of them, keep a song in my heart, keep me smiling. I like that one. So how do we develop positive attitudes toward worship for kids? Well, among other things, you're going to have to give them some positive experiences. Here, it might not be fully positive, where he says, suddenly I feel the need for some intense and prolonged acoustical privacy. <laughs> we need to develop an appreciation for the nature of worship and what are its components, its themes, and the center point of God. 
And here somebody says, how can I worship when our church isn't up to date technologically? We don't even have digital uh, video jumble projection. <laughs> so, is, are, are the big screens helpful for worship? No. If they were, what happened to worship the past 6,000 years? I'm not saying they can't be, but if we needed technology to worship, then how in the world did Christ mess up and come when he did without technology? But the question wasn't, do we need it? Right? The question was, is it helpful? Because Ellen White says in the book, Education, we should use the most modern methods available to us. And illustrations are very, very helpful. And, and, and I agree with both sides of this, really. There are some facilities, congregations, that cannot support it either financially or technologically. Um, so to look at a small church in the UP or in the northern peninsula, the northern part of the, you know, where they may not have the Andrews Mecca to draw from and have somebody that's real tech savvy, and you can have very tech savvy people there. But just because I go to a church that has PowerPoint and 4K or whatever, and you don't, doesn't mean that by default I get a better worship service than you or vice versa, I feel. But that can go the opposite way too, where they don't have, like if we're talking like um, worship and music, they don't have anybody that plays the piano or anything, and that's what they use. They put it up on their screen and they have it all on TV or whatever, and that's how they do their worship. Right, and, and, and like I'm not that. saying you can't or you can, I'm just saying just because you have these things available, that doesn't automatically mean that you have a wonderful worship you have to submit everyone that participates in the worship service needs to submit to Christ to have an appropriate worship service. Amen. I agree. We all need to submit to Christ. Yes. You know, where I come down on some of this is all depends on how it's used. I and I will make those of you that know me know I enjoy music. <laughs> and um, I grew up, uh, you know, back when a computer took up a room, and 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 you know, I have more capacity on this little jump drive than than they dreamt of back when I was a kid. Uh, but I can remember uh, in Sabbath school, uh, we had singing youth. Some of you, a few of you may have, be, have seen copies of that old book, but it, it, I remember when it was new to me, and I thought it had just come out. And uh, in Sabbath school, we got to pick what songs we sang out of it, and we were very blessed because we had somebody on the piano that could play any of them. And uh, we did number four, and she taught us the correct rhythm for number four, whereas some people didn't know that, that didn't get that right. But uh, there were there two versions of Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. 
And there's the one, stand up, stand up for Jesus. That's the one that's in the hymnal. The other one is in there. And I haven't seen it anywhere else. And just out of curiosity, I had to try it. And so we sang it and we had fun doing it. And back then we've got this and we were encouraged to sing in harmony. This is something that is not encouraged when we just have the words on the screen. Words on the screen tends toward uniform, uh, everyone singing in unison. And I'm not saying singing in unison is bad, but I'm, I will say there are times when I miss singing in harmony. And uh, you, I, I know you, you know how to sing in harmony, Howard, because we sang in the choir together for, for a while. Is this, is this discussion only limited to the, the string? So I'm not, I'm no, but but that, that that's just I'm just spinning so I'm off not the because um, I always I like it and I don't and the part I don't like it is because it stifles participation. But it depends on to what extent we're we're talking about, and also it stifles the a young a young person or someone wanting to develop or learn um, a skill like music or wanting to present or wanting to learn how to do other things that involve with worship. And um, that's, that's the area where I'm, I'm personally most concerned because, uh, for example, at my church we use the screen and we use an audio track. But we have several people who could play piano and... But since it's easier, it, if you, there's more butts in the seat than people participating. And um, that's something or I could, I don't know, my, my personal opinion attributing that. And I don't see that as, as being a positive, if that makes any sense. My per, one of my personal preferences, and take this as Dave's personal preference, okay? This isn't something from the youth department, okay? You got that? This is Dave's personal preference. When we have a text on the screen, let's put the name of the book and the chapter and the verse verses the location, and let's not put all the, then let's not fill in the words that are found there. Let's put that up there so people can open their books. That's, that's my personal preference. Uh, I understand with Spirit of Prophecy, that's a bit tougher. Uh, but it, then if we're going to put it up there, let's not try and get half the page on one slide. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, several years ago, our, our church uh, got a new person in charge of a communications department. And all of a sudden, I couldn't read half the slides. Because so, my 60-some-year-old eyes are up in the balcony. And there's, at any rate, uh, Enough on that. The idea here of the digital jumble projection, is it necessary for worship? No. Christ got by without it. Um, can it be helpful? I think it can be a real blessing. And when you get to a, a place like Oshkosh, um, or even in our auditorium here, it's really nice to have these cameras 
that are focused on the speaker so that you can see them instead of someone that's the size of your thumb uh, um, or, or your thumbnail. That's interesting. So for the tape, they uh, rented a, uh, a very high-quality camera and for their live stream, and they saw the attendance go down, and so they went back to the camera they owned, and which didn't have as good a picture, and so attendance would come back up. They didn't need it, but people were gone, people can't do it for whatever reason. It's too good. Yeah. Enjoy the convenience. Pastor yeah. Bradshaw addressed that right. point last night. Oh, yeah? He also oh, yeah. He mentioned even a possible solution, not two have live two-week delay. Two week delay. <laughs> and, um, but um, that's another example of like the, the participation. I agree with um, that, too. Uh, here's another example. Our, our church, um, a few years back, um, someone was not very happy about coming on a Friday night to set the temperature for the, the heater. And so we had someone who would do that and then be actively be there the following day. But now we uh, made it automatic, it changes. So no, that's one more person who's not participating, doing something for, if you, if you get where I'm coming down. Yeah. And I don't know, I, it, is, it is a balance that you have to take, but something that is true that I visited a church member that usually is a church but the, his wife had surgery and they had not been able to come to church for about three weeks she had back surgery she just couldn't do anything went to visit him and her and uh, he made the comment, you know, I just don't feel like an Adventist anymore. I can't make it to church because I have to take care of my wife. So having the technology for them to be able to be part of the worship service at the same time while it's taking place live can be of help at times. You know, balance, where's the balance? I think that's an interesting point about not being a church. And to me, and, and different people are different, and we've talked about this in several of the other lectures you've had or discussions, whatever seminars. But I work every other weekend, and when I work, it doesn't feel like Sabbath. I mean, I know it is. Um, I know it's Sabbath. I call it Sabbath. But because I'm at work, it's not the same. And even if I'm watching it on TV, I'm sorry, but me, and, and again, I'm not knocking the evangelistic meetings and the church services, but it's totally different being there than sitting. And I thought Elder Bradshaw did an awesome job of um, bluntly and truthfully stating we need to be in church. I mean, yes, if somebody's had surgery or, you know, but we need to be there. And, and he, he, it was funny because a couple examples, and he said, I didn't mollycoll him. He says, I just told him, you be in church, and I'll give you a hug in church. I'm not going to give you a hug here. You know, and, and there's a camaraderie. The Bible says, come let us reason together. Um, don't forsake gathering together. Mm -hmm. I think those are important things. And again, sometimes, like anything else, how many people misuse the Bible M. Ellen White? There's a lot of people. So we shouldn't throw them out. We've, we've in various times in the past 
quit going to church as often. And after about three or four weeks of not being in church, you start to forget it's the Sabbath. You don't. Yes. It, it does. It makes a big difference. Yes. And, and that's why my story, you know, we do have the technology and we broadcast our services. And maybe he was watching them, but just just not being able to go to church. But even maybe then, like, that way. no, we don't, don't like, it is Sabbath, we don't do certain things on Sabbath, but it's still, even if we've got worship music playing on the TV, it still doesn't feel like Sabbath. So, it's really it's something I've noticed. And for me, it's easier just to stay home on Sabbath, because <laughs> getting to church at 9.30 in the morning with five kids is challenging. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the live streaming because because I live further west, I can watch church here in Michigan, and then I can go to church in my home church and get both of them. Okay. Some of us only need one church service for Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is a blessing. <laughs> See, that way I can hear a good inspirational speaker. And sometimes the ones at church, they're not as good as some of the ones I can get from here, just because, you know, it's a smaller church. So I'm not saying that they're bad, but see, then I can get the fellowship and I can get a message at both places. Now, you just, you just used a word here that, that has been alluded to, but nobody has pulled out before. Fellowship. And it's been alluded to, but you pulled it out and actually stated it. Let's talk a little bit about fellowship. What makes it good? What is it that you like about it? Because the way you said it, I got the impression that it was a positive experience. So what makes it a positive experience? Like-minded people, um, and and uh, you get the camaraderie. You, you can you can have people around you that are worship or trying to worship the same way you are. So that you can go away inspired to continue your walk closer to Jesus with like doing Sabbath. You're part of it. You're, you're watching it. it. You're watching her. You're there, you're part of it. It's, it's less of a spectator sport when you're there. Less of a spectator sport when you're there? You get affirmation, you get encouragement. You can get extra hugs. Pardon? You can get extra hugs. Okay. How many of you have gone to a church service, expecting a church service, song service, Announcements, offering, sermon, and came away with an experience that you didn't expect at all. My wife and I went to a church service. We recently moved. Our daughter stayed home, uh, stayed back where we moved from. Um, she graduated from high school. And we had parental concerns for our daughter. Hadn't said a word to anyone in that church about it at all. Before this church had a praise uh, thing, just before the church service, a lady two rows in front of us shared basically, I mean, very, very, very similar with one of her children what we were going through with our daughter. 
and it was such an amazing blessing. Could you've got it on the TV? Yes, but it was different in person. And afterwards, I went up and talked to her about it. So there are things that we get in that fellowship, like Julie was talking about, an actual hug, sometimes not even necessarily with arms around you, but a hug by being with someone face to face. Satan tries to isolate us and not make me think I'm the only one that's a vigilant glutton. So here I struggle with this terrible sin, you know, and, and then I go to church and I find out there's other people that have had the problem, that are working on the problem, and we can come together and exhort and encourage each other and support each other. On the TV screen, we don't get it. Again, if that's the best you can do, if that's what you can do today or this week, you know, then do it. But we need to come together. Satan loves to isolate us. Mm -hmm. By coming together and realizing that we're all sinners, we all need Christ the same exact way to be saved. And we get that by rubbing elbows and hugging and, and talking face to face, interacting. That you know that that's so true. And, and exactly, and it's like again, Pastor Bradshaw. Some churches are not like that. You no, go right. and you still feel isolated. And, and you're right. And and Elder Bradshaw talked about that last night. And do I want to be changed by you, or do I want to change you? If you are not a warm church, I if I come in and I have warmth. I'm either going to drive you out of the church or warm you up. Christ did not change everyone, but he polarized people. And if we're Christ-like, we are going to polarize people. I'm not going to come into your church and say, you guys are a bunch of crabs and I'm here to change that. <laughs> Absolutely not. But by coming in, it's amazing. Try it sometimes if you have it. In the morning when the kids wake up, if they're grumbly, be cheerful, be cheery. And it's not going to be one or two things of, hey, isn't it a nice day? Boom, and everybody flips a switch. But you'll be amazed at how after a bit of time, your warmth and cheeriness, and pretty soon the kids are like, I'm going to bag this old crabby, grumpy thing because it ain't working. And sometimes we, we can do that in the church. Not, now, there may be some people you can't reach or I can't reach, but you'd be surprised sometimes at being positive and not rose-colored glasses that everything's fine, but it rained this morning, right? You know what the weather report is for tomorrow? Sunny and mid-70s. Mm -hmm. Okay? <laughs> I enjoyed the rain, but my wife didn't. But there's something to look forward to. If you have a grumpy church, if you have grumpy people in your church, pray, pray with partners, and be cheerful. Sorry, I got Gabby. No, no. <laughs> no, no. But what we're supposed to be talking about is developing war attitudes about worship and and what we're what the slides talk about or what are the things that make it but you we're 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 covering the slides trust me we are covering all the material that, that's in the book that this stuff came out of um and we're doing it without some of the fancy words and, and oh, <laughs> yes and without the technology oh my word we're doing it without the technology oh no uh, well, is it still? Will it still be good if it's without the technology? Yeah, I think it's better. Oh. <laughs> and, and as we talk about, you know, and we, we are uh, thinking about children, pathfinders. You know, the, all everything we've been talking about applies to our kids. Um, 
when, when they don't come, they just don't feel like coming. But when they come to the club and, and we have a beautiful worship time with with the kid, we have prepared for it, and they actually get involved. Like you mentioned, the attitude, having a cheerful attitude, and everything, it changes them too. You know, and they 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 want to be there. They want to come back, uh, and they actually feel part of it. Which is our responsibility is to make worship a positive experience, not we got to do this, right? I agree. So come with me back in time. A few months ago, I was, I had, I think I had scheduled somebody or other to, to do, I was on a committee that dealt with scheduling people for special music and offertories and this sort of stuff. And whoever it was that was uh, scheduled to do it fell through for whatever reason. And um, true confessions, about three years ago, I saw a young lady playing the piano here at camp meeting, and I really, really, really appreciated the way this gal could get around the piano. I saw her accompanying different people and just doing a fabulous job of it, and uh, playing with hymns and doing a fabulous job of it. And I said to myself, Self, you need to find out who this is in case you ever need an accompanist. Because from time to time, I blow, I blow my horn, and it's n- nice to have an accompanist. And I, and I heard somebody once say that on the piano, uh, tonight is Lindsay Mills. Oh, I whipped my phone out and stuck that on my little notepad-y thing. And uh, no idea where she was from, but at least I had a name. And uh, fast forward several years, and there's been a, a, a short parade of pastors through our church, as you, as you know what I'm talking about. And... Uh, I hear that there's somebody, that a new pastor has finally been selected, and, uh, and I heard somebody named Philip Mills, which meant nothing to me at all, nothing whatsoever. And then um, suddenly I, I was looking back through uh, my, the notepad thing in my phone, and I spotted that and says, huh, I wonder if, it, I wonder if they're related. And then I found out, sure enough, they are. So when I first, the, their first Sabbath here, I confessed to him I was more glad to see her than I was him. <laughs> and he took it well, you know. Um, but uh, anyway, so I was, uh, I was supposed to come up with somebody for this one special music or offertory. I don't remember which one it was. And uh, because somebody had fallen through. And so I sent an email off to her, uh, wondering if there was something. W- says, "Hey, so and so, somebody fell through. We need to we need to li- we need to get something put together for this next Sabbath." She didn't understand quite what the what I had said, and she lined up a young uh, person in the church who's currently in the youth tent, and I say. Praise the Lord, because that young girl needs to feel needed in our church. That's, I think, you know, and and it's more important for her to play than it is for me to play. Uh, I I am very much of the opinion that our kids need to be needed. 
uh, if we want to keep them in the church. Um, that's I, I have very strong feelings on that. If they don't feel needed, um, why are they coming? And, and, and that's, what, what, that's what we're talking about here, isn't it? You know, it's interesting you say that because I, I've recognized for a long time every one of us wants to have our ideas agreed with or affirmed. You watch somebody in any group situation and I'll say, hey, Dave, what do you think about having a campfire tonight? And if your reply is something like, well, I don't know, it's kind of warm, ah, nah, wood's wet, I don't know. Then I come up and I say, hey, Len, what do you think? You watch me, I'll go around until I hit somebody that mm -hmm. says, yeah, campfire is a good idea. If you and I as adults do that, how much more do you think young people who are in such a volatile point in their life, just by nature, they're learning to become adults and wanting to, but not wanting to. Their parents are wanting them to, but not wanting them to. And so why wouldn't they want affirmation and to be recognized appropriately, obviously, more so than adults even. So I, I think, you know, your, your point is very well put. They want to be needed, but yet not abandoned. So when we plug them in, special music, scripture reading, sermonettes, wherever, whatever, appropriately, our, our church for a while had um, every fifth Sabbath, every Sabbath that had five, every month that had five Sabbath, that fifth Sabbath was youth Sabbath. And we lost some of our real good youth that were leading out and doing it. But it was really neat to have youth Sabbath. And they knew, you know, a plan for them. So. Might I also suggest that one of the things our youth are sometimes better at than adults is the technology stuff? So, I, you know, uh, most likely their hearing is better than, than some of the deacons. Um, I saw this uh, very clearly demonstrated uh, a few years ago. I was asked to uh, play at, some, at an Easter service in a Westminster Presbyterian church. And um, one of the deacons went to uh, press the button in, in the side room to record the service. And I don't think he'd put his glasses on. And uh, so there's, there's two trumpets, two trombones, and the pipe organ out front. And uh, we, we play through our first song, and, and we're hearing other stuff in the background. And all of a sudden, we get to the end of the first piece, and the minister of music, uh, who's on the organ, he looks around and scoots off the organ, disappears into the back room, and I hear a click. <laughs> and, I, and all of a sudden it came to a stop, and, and uh, apparently he'd pushed the stop button on the cassette tape player. And uh, the, the dear brother, he was trying, but he couldn't hear that it, wasn't, that it was playing, and, and he hadn't put his glasses on, and so he didn't see that it wasn't recording. Uh, this is an area, you know, where young people would have been better suited to it, I think. And, and you know, especially if you're trying to get a mix uh, of different mics, the good chance they might have a better ear 
for balancing it than, than some of the older folk. Just have another comment. You know how, how you just mentioned that we involved in the children on the worship. We had just an incident where my daughter was asked to uh, uh, be the song leader, and she happily agreed to it. And two days before Sabbath, she's like, "Do I have to choose the pianist?" <laughs> she didn't call on that. She's like, "Yeah, you gotta have your pianist." I'm like, oh man, it's only two days to Sabbath, and uh, uh, I haven't asked anyone. So she was thinking about individuals that play all the time, and she just kept thinking about adults that are up front all the time. Uh, and I'm like, well, that's great, but what what about the young people? I mean, we you have some people that have been taking pianos, and they play really nice. You should try some of the young people too. And she's like, I don't know that they will say yes. They'll probably tell me no, because it's so short notice. So I just give them a call. The worst thing that can happen is they say no. She called one one of the young lady, and she said yes. She was really happy. The young lady was. <laughs> After she accepted, she told her mom, her mom, I think I made a mistake. It's only two days and I, I don't think I know the songs that well. She did beautifully. And her mother was so happy. She came back and she told my daughter, thank you so much for inviting my daughter to, to play the piano. That made such a big difference. I mean, what, if nobody invites them, they won't get up front and they won't use their talents. And... Uh, we just misusing the gift that God has given us. Lost you know? opportunities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was really good. That was really good. The other, another occasion, I'm, I was there. I, I needed to, to have somebody do the call for the offering. So I asked a gentleman, one of the deacons, would you have the call for offering two Sabbaths from now? He's like, I'm not sure about that. I'm not, I'm not too good about standing up front. <laughs> but let me think about it. The following Sabbath, I asked him again. And he said, you know, I don't think so. I, I can't be up front. His son was standing right next to him. So I look at him like, and I said to him, how about you? Will you do the call for offering? He's like, sure. <laughs> I tell you, young people, they're so willing to try anything. And he did it. And he did a good job. So let me ask this. In them doing these things, the piano and the call for the offering, and they're doing these things, which are both sort of upfronty things, right? Especially the call for the offering. But the piano is sort of an upfront thing, too. You know, it's, it's, you're very exposed because there usually is just one person playing the piano, you know. Is there an element of fellowship for them in doing those things? Yeah, and afterwards, yeah, they, they get the, hey, thanks for doing it. You did a good job. Okay. I also think that it adds, other than just fellowship, it adds the serving others, which is also very important as for children to learn to serve others. And by doing that in their church, it will continue in their life. You, Once people you, participate, they stop judging other people's capabilities or how they did it. They suddenly can sympathize with 
the other person who stumbled over their words when they were doing it, and it's much less judging. Okay. I think the effect is greater when it's not just a one-time thing and then next year you do it again. So mm -hmm. if you have them just for a one time on yes. February 2018 and then you don't see them again until March 2019, well, there, there has to be a way to figure out how multiple people with musical skills, with um, orator skills, with technological skills, that they have their niche where they can consistently see every other week or if possible every week um, participation in those things or a myriad of other things. But as long as they're always constantly being used so that they can feel like fellowship. When I come to, um, it's going on, when I come to church, I know my absence is going to be noticed just like others as well because people have come to the um, custom of my presence there. And that also makes me give a motivation to go that I, I'm being needed, I'm being wanted. Someone there is going to probably call me if I'm not there or what have you. It also has that, um, that element into the other things that I, that I agreed that I've been hearing as well. There's a club out in my neck of the woods that their director watches when the kids participate in stuff and she gives them extra credit for Pathfinder for doing like leading song service or greeting or helping with potluck dishes or setting up for potluck. All the extra stuff that kids could be doing at church, she gives them extra credit for the Pathfinder points. Okay. It's, it's interesting to me at camp meeting we get such wonderful speakers and I think that's great but I've wondered for a long time our sermons bear with me should almost be boring I, I would have loved to have seen a video of Christ to see how wonderful of an orator he was there's a fine line between entertainment and education and a church service, a sermon, to me, is supposed to be educational. It's not supposed to be entertaining. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be interesting, okay? And I, having grown up in a church where we had a dedicated pastor, so every week you could critique the pastor on how terrible he did, and now having been in other churches where elders spoke, and having been an elder, and currently an elder in a church where we take turns speaking, like Len said, it's interesting after I've had my sermon and you speak next Sabbath how much different I look at your sermon, so to speak. But it buys in. And it's amazing. I have a sister-in-law that has a tremendous voice. I cannot carry a tune in my bucket. I played in the band, but I'm toned out. My sister-in-law will not get up and sing in church because she's afraid of making a mistake. She could sing the worst song she's ever sung, and I'd love it, you know. And as we have different people participate, sometimes I think it may encourage people to get up and say or do things that may not have if we only had the normal tabernacle choir singing in our church every week. And we can, to me, the blessing is from God, not from your talent or my talent, speaking, singing, whatever. 
So I think that's one thing that's good as we have young people participate to encourage them so that when it comes time to be an elder or a deacon, they don't stand back and say, oh, I can't do that. Never been up front. <laughs> yeah, I've never been up front. And what if I make a mistake? Mm-hmm. You know, it encourages to. We're all human, right? All of sin and come short of the glory of God. I invite people to my church. And if they say, well, I can't go because I do this or that, say, well, we're all sinners there. So welcome to the club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not, again, not that we muddle through and don't care about things, but it's, yeah. I can remember as remember what you're thinking, okay? But I uh, I can re- I remember as a kid once we had a visiting layman, um, and I grew up in Minnesota, and, and so some of you will, will, will smile at this. He was visiting us from the state of Michigan, and uh, and I was probably a junior or early teen at this point. I think probably a junior. And what I really, really, really enjoyed about his uh, sermon is he had lots of scripture references and he expected us to be turning in our Bibles to follow. And and I was able to. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. Well, I was just going to piggyback on what Terry said about club directors um, recognizing kids who help, you know, whatever they are. You know, my daughter was telling me, she's a very quiet, quiet, quiet person, shy. And she came home, she said, well, mommy, you won't believe it. Mr. Hutchins called me and, you know, take me for service that I have done. And she will tell you, well, I didn't do good on the piano today. I didn't do this, I didn't do that. But she felt that, you know, it was worth it, everything she's been doing. Because her Pathfinder director publicly acknowledged, you know, what she's been doing. I think it's a great thing because sometimes we pick on what is not done properly, especially for the parents. Oh, yeah, you made a mistake here and there. But when somebody from the outside, like a club director, says something to them, it means a lot. And it keeps them, you know, in church, they know that they are loved. You know, somebody in there is, you know, scared. Piggybacking off of that, I remember a time long ago when uh, our church had a, and this was a small church, um, and and it was, uh, the sanctuary was about as wide as this room and probably half again as long. And that was our whole sanctuary and had a higher ceiling. But anyway, um, we had a, some, a Saturday night program in the basement. Uh, and somebody had gotten some, 16 millimeter films that uh, showed some people going down some uh, some, some really uh, probably the Colorado River some of the uh, fancy rapids there and some some other stuff and I, I don't remember all the ins and outs about it I I suspect this might have been one of those times when my folks were out of town doing and I don't remember what but not a common occurrence but. Somehow Dave ended up being the one running the projector. And afterwards, one of the deacons in the church, who, looking back, he was probably then about the age I am, he came up to me afterwards and said, Dave, you've done a good job. Now, it's over 50 years ago that he said that. 
And I remember Swede saying it to me. You know? Yes, yes, I do. I, I do still hear it in his voice. And, and he's, he's resting. He's been resting for a while. Uh, but I can still hear his voice. Um, we've got six minutes. I'm, what? So, uh, you know, realistically, we have covered a lot of, of what we were supposed to, really, we've covered a lot of what we were supposed to cover. Uh, we've really covered most of it. Uh, this is an interesting little graphic with these different kites um, and talking about how there are some people that see things, some people hear things, other people talk, and other people do things. Um, and we need all of that in our worship services, don't we? Um, How many of you have ever, ever been to a worship service where somebody up, is up front signing to, to people that are hearing impaired? few of us have. That's one of the many skills I do not have. Uh, but, but it's interesting to see. And I remember once uh, a number of years ago we had somebody uh, that was attending a series of meetings that we had. And uh, someone was able to bring in an interpreter. And uh, I remember the interpreter coming to me and says, and she was looking for the word tabernacle. That's not a, apparently a common one in American Sign Language and, and looking for something to substitute for that. Um, okay, here's... I always get a little kick out of this. The idea here is let's try and not use a lot of cliches. Bob, I didn't realize you pushed the envelope, raised the bar, and thought outside the box. Out of the loop, huh, Frank? A lot of different cliches there in that cartoon. Yeah. Now, so, what... I do want to touch on, on, on this point here briefly. What sort of cliches do we need to be careful of working when we're working with our kids? Are there cliches that we need to think, keep in mind? Children should be seen and not heard. Ah, we say they're the future of the church, and, and then, but they don't feel it? Or a practicality, they're not being treated as such, or with the investment that they would expect to hear such a cliche. And they, uh, it's not a cliche, but it's being developed in their minds. Okay, any other cliches that we need to be careful of? Spinning off of yours, 
and, and, and I, I don't, don't take this as a cliche, but, but as a challenge. People often say children are the future of our church, future leaders. Some of them are leaders today. And we need to find ways to, uh, to integrate them into making them leaders of our present. Uh, seems like I, I read once that somebody said a little child will lead them. Um, we need to give them some opportunities. Um, sometimes this, this is one of those illustrations that's a little tough to describe. I'll just say there's an Escherisk type uh, drawing there. Sometimes, you know, if we feel that there's, if we're only going to give them facts and rules in church, in worship, then we have no reason to expect creative thinking. Um, sometimes we need to give them a chance to reflect. Now, now, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but we're going to just kind of set this to rest. One of them, a very memorable worship service in my home church, current home church. A number of years ago, it was, and I always get these terms confused, uh, if he was an assistant or associate pastor, but it wasn't the main pastor. And this is the one who was there uh, on basically a sunset posting. He was about at the end. Uh, for, uh, he was coming up on retirement. And we had all the normal preliminaries in church. And uh, then he gets up, and he, he, you know, he reads a passage uh, out of Scripture, and he reads a thing, uh, a quotation from Mrs. White that talked about sometimes it's good to have a testimony meeting. And we had a testimony meeting that day totally different than any other testimony I've ever been experienced to. He went on to say, that if you look at all of the positions uh, that are of church offices, there are people in there, uh, like in lower Sabbath school divisions, uh, that are te just teaching kids. They, they don't even make that list. They're just teaching kids. They're not even on the list. And yet, we need to show our great appreciation to them. And this worship service today, he said, is going to be a time where you can thank, get up and thank people for things that they have done that made a difference to you. And I'm going to start. And he says, the first Sabbath I was here, and he points over here and, and talked about somebody that was sitting there and what they had done and what it meant to him. And, and he, he named them by name. And... There were two roving mics, and different people stood up and thanked different people. That was our whole worship service. At this time, I actually was not a member of the Lansing Church. My membership was St. John's at the time. And so I get no credit whatsoever for what I'm about to say because I had no involvement. There were, I think, four 
young people that stood up. And with one exception, at least four, with one exception, the people they thanked were their Pathfinder leaders. And the other one thanked a gentleman who always sat right here in, in the church. Hallelujah Jack was his nickname. Um, and she appreciated his, despite his advanced age, his enthusiasm for, for worship and, and, and his leading response to the, the uh, whatever was said. But I found it very interesting, because I'm really looking in from the outside, that all of these kids, except for the one girl, and I think it was the second time around for her when she brought him up, had, had spoken about their appreciation for their Pathfinder leaders. So, what makes worship important? It's who we worship, right? The idea is we want to grow that relationship. And we talked about hugs. Sometimes we just get virtual hugs. But yesterday afternoon, as the day before, I was literally walking across the, toward the boys' dorm and somebody called my name, former pastor's wife, back when I was in Minnesota. And that the, the church that she passed that he had pastored was a very, very, very huggy church. There were lots of hugs. And I, I've learned that, that not everyone is accepting of people hugging people they're not married to. But we I I explain something to her up at Campus Sable. I says, do you know what this is? She says, no. I said, that's a virtual hug. And I, and I, and I told her every time I see her, just out of habit, I want to do this. And so when I saw her walking, she called my name because we hadn't seen her. She, said, she was just trying to say hi. I sat down my computer and she got a virtual hug from 75 feet away. We want our kids to feel that when they go to church, they're at least getting virtual hugs from people who are there and from their Savior. I mean, isn't that really what it's about? And that by going there, they can sort of give him a hug back. We're out of time. Our Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that you've given to us. We thank you that you are a God who invites us to worship. You said that you wanted a sanctuary so that you could be with us. Now we, And we thank you for your interest in us. Now help us that we can help our kids to learn how much you love us and you want to be with us and help them to want to reciprocate back. Be with us throughout the rest of this camp meeting that we can grow closer to you and find ways that we can get our kids closer to you so we can all get closer to each other in heaven. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. 
If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.